how do I want to wake up tomorrow is oh. the answer to your question. Yeah. That is one of the things that, that, and I do exactly say that to myself. It's like, how do I want to wake up tomorrow? Do I want to wake up tomorrow looking back on today, feeling like, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Or do I want to look back on today and say, thank you, God. Okay. Got through that. Let's move on. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Undo Anxiety Podcast. I'm Dr. John Duffy. I'm your host. Um, if you don't have a podcast, I suggest getting one because sometimes you get this opportunity to sit across from an old friend that you just kind of honor and admire and miss, and it's really, really fun just to talk about the world and life, uh, which Susan and I have been doing for the last hour and a half or so. <laughs> Hi, Susan. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Seriously glad you're here. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So... You and I have been telling a lot of stories in the last like little while, right? Yeah. I should have pressed play a long time ago and not told you I was doing that. <laughs> um, that probably would have been a good idea. <laughs> so so uh, last I remember, uh, you were the lead in Annie Get Your Gun, right? Oh um, so how, how has life treated you since then? Mm. <laughs> how has life treated me since then? Yeah. So we were, we graduated from high school about what 10 15 years ago or so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something like right, that. Right, exactly. Yeah. We have uh -huh. a reunion coming up mm -hmm. this fall. Hopefully That's right, there. right, right. Our, yeah. our 10th. It'll yeah, be right. Fun to see if anyone's changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so how has life treated me since then? You know, honestly, I have to say I don't I don't want to say life has treated me. How have I treated life? Things have happened. Yeah. You know, it's not so much that life has treated me a certain way, but a lot has happened. And it's more, a little more, you know, more than 10 years ago. It's, it's, it was more it's than 10 years a ago. A lot has happened. Yeah. And, um, you know, how have I uh, responded to that, I think, is the bigger question. And I feel like I've lived multiple lives since we graduated high school. You really have, haven't you? I have. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And thought in any, in any, Life that I've been living, I thought that that was the life that I that was going to continue, and it has not turned out that way at all. You've had you know? a number of iterations. I left un high unanticipated. School. Yeah, and yeah. you know that's okay. That's yeah. actually I almost prefer that. Some if somebody were to say to me, "Plan out your life," I would say no, because I would make a mess of it. First of all, uh huh, and I don't really know what I want. Yeah, so I'm more than happy to just kind of go with what's provided to me Got it. at any given moment and work with that. Got it. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. That's, I'm, I'm good with that now. But what's provided to you isn't always gold or it wouldn't appear to be, right? No, not at all. So when yeah. we graduated high school, I was going to be a starving artist in New York. That was okay. my goal. Big goal, right? Yeah. Yeah, big goal. So I was going to be a starving artist in New York and I found out in college, being a music theater major, that that was not my thing. Not so much that I didn't enjoy it, but I... Um, I'm not competitive that way. So you, know? you, you, you didn't want that fight and you didn't no, want that. You no, didn't, I just didn't drive. enjoy it. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think that that made a huge difference in my life. Yeah, you're, you're good. <laughs> um, but I think that that was a very interesting shift yeah. for me in my life to, um, to, to realize that, that this thing that I thought was going to be my whole future was not at all what I wanted to do or what I was comfortable with. Seems like a tough shift to make, right? I mean, going from like, this is, because that that feels more like uh, vocational, like, you know, this is my dream more yeah. than like, you know, 
my majoring in accounting, you know, and thinking like, right. I guess this is what I'm going to be doing. Right, yeah. right, right. And I certainly had those moments later after that. You know, I changed my major four or five different times in two years. Mm-hmm. But I left college yeah. because I was sick. Right. I left to go into, well, I didn't leave to go into treatment, but I ended up going into treatment for an eating disorder. It was anorexic and bulimic, which hit hard when I went away to school. You know, yeah. um, I started started my freshman year in September at what, I don't know, 130 pounds or whatever. And um, I went back uh, a year later at 93 pounds. Wow. Yeah. Um, was it apparent to everybody around you? I mean, were, were everyone's eyes were on you, yeah? I didn't know that at the time, of course, because, you know, when you're in the throes of your illness, you're just, you're inside yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I was inside myself and whatever demons I was fighting at the time, I was fighting them internally, Yeah, you know, and yet wanting to look good on the outside, having no idea that I didn't, you know. Right, right. So that's always so interesting to me. So now when I look at like, I'm fascinated by body image and mm-hmm. body dysmorphia and all of the things, the labels that they have these days. So um, it's an interesting time for that to hit you, right? So you're like 1920 at the time. Like, you know, so I work with a lot of, like, teenagers. I was younger, though. I was I okay. was the youngest in class. So my birthday is the end of November. Oh. The cutoff was December 1st. Right, right, right. So I was the youngest. I went to college as 17. Got I, it. I turned 18 in my freshman year of Got college. Got it. Where some kids so now I was go, a little like, younger. 19. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, so right, right. So that seems about, about normal, about where it hits yeah. kids now. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's – that, I think um, – you know, is significant. And that kind of has colored everything. You know, I think that if I didn't have that, I don't know what would have happened in my life. Would I have gone through four years and kind of been more consistent and more successful? Mm -hmm. And you put you, there there were air quotes around successful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Why? Because I don't think, I think that um, society's view of success is wrong. Yeah. I don't, I think it's it's valid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I do. I do. Because I think that anybody within themselves, within their lives is successful just by the nature of who they are. When I work with kids um, and young adults and not, not always young who have some element of body dysmorphia, um, the, the eating disorder part is partly, you know, we, we, I think in in the broader culture think it's like vanity or something, but Almost always it feels like a control thing. Like I can control this little piece of my world. Yes. Yeah? Yes. So did your world feel out of control? Um, I, it must have. Yeah. <laughs> I right? mean, I guess. I just, <laughs> it's, it, it's rhetorical. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is the check. That is exactly right. Um, you know, years and years of therapy later, it's hard to know now when I look back how I felt versus what I've learned. Yeah. And so there's there's this whole thing with especially with bulimia, you know, anorexia is I think the disease of control, right? The perfectionism, and I am not a perfect. Well, my kids will tell you I am, but I'm not really a perfectionist mm-hmm. so much. And so I think that's where the bulimia kicks in. You know, when you're a perfectionist, you can be um, very very rigid and maintain that to a fault, right? Which is what anorexia is. You know that that that. Um, and, and I certainly had those moments, you know, anorexic and bulimic both in that I lost all of that weight in yeah. that amount of time, but I don't maintain well. I don't follow through well. I, that's just who I am. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, I don't like that about myself in some areas, but it's a fact. And so the bulimia kicks in where you got you, – you suddenly can't maintain that control and so you lose control. Mm. 
which is the the binging. Yeah. You know, that's yeah, the bulimia yeah. part of it. And then the purging is trying to gain it back. That's well put. And so when you – You mean gain the control back, yes, right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And the secrets involved with that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, Shame? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes, very much. Um, but you can't admit it to yourself. It's just this whole snowball, this whole murk of all of that. You know, I can't admit it to myself, but I look, nobody would know looking at me, you know? Right. I mean, well, people did when I lost all the weight, but then later on when things kind of kept going that way and I was, you know, a normal weight, maybe a little on the thin side, whatever, but nothing drastic. Right. No one would know yeah. that about me. And so well-kept secret. You know, but I went into treatment. It wasn't a secret at that at that time. Was that forced upon you? I mean, was that kind of like you know, mom and dad show up and were um, intervening? I finally agreed. Hmm. I finally agreed. It was one of those things where I was in therapy and I said to the therapist, <laughs> "I laugh. Um, I, I think I have control of this. I, I don't want to see you this week. I think I got it figured out." You know, we therapists love that, that <laughs> yeah. because that's, always buy that. Uh-huh. And so, yeah, and and at that moment when he's like, "Okay." The bottom fell out. Yeah. Why was that the moment? It just was. I mean, mm-hmm. I, it wasn't – I mean, I don't know why, but that's what happened. Yeah. And yeah. I think that that's very typical. Anytime someone says, I got it all figured out, just, you know, give me this chance. And then it's like, Psh! Yep. Because I couldn't. Did you then need, I agreed. Did you need for the bottom to fall out? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because then when I – because then I went into treatment – and I was willing to get better, willing to change, willing to change something. Mm-hmm. You know, what was happening wasn't working and I couldn't make it work anymore. I couldn't make it look good. I couldn't anything. And you knew that. Like, you know, you you, you were aware of that. There wasn't enough dysmorphia to tell you mm, five more pounds and I'll be okay. No, no, no. Because it really at that point wasn't – I mean, it was, it was. it's always been a little bit about the weight. Mm-hmm. But the, it wasn't about the weight. Yeah. No. no. And it, do you think it ever is? No. I don't either. No, 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 no. You just pick that number. Yeah. Because that's a number. I mean, I have a number in my head right now that I like to stick around, Mm -hmm. you know, but I am so grateful, truthfully, that now um, it's not that big of a deal. It's there, Mm -hmm. but it's, I know better. And what's the, you know, um, is, is there something that happens in treatment that gets you to the place where you know better? You know what I mean? Like, is there, is there an aha about, no, not for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't speak for everybody. Right. You know, but I was 19 when I went into treatment. Yeah. I'm 52. Right. Okay, sorry. Gave away how long we've been on high school. <laughs> um, so it isn't even that. I mean, I had, I had sadly, I had process to go through after that. Right. You know, and, and um, a lot of process to go through. And yeah. life, life had to happen for me to figure out and become more comfortable with myself. Um and I certainly don't think I'm perfect. Like I could look in the mirror and I could think all the things that are wrong with me. But at the same time, I also over the years have discovered that those things don't matter. Mm-hmm. There's that teeny piece of me that it matters to. But then there's the – it's like, you know, well, again, I feel like Sybil. I, I've got – there's the there's the young girl inside of me, the wounded, wounded kid yeah. who got to that point. And then there's the adult side of me that can can soothe her and say, no, it's okay. Right. You know, you look at the world, look at the people around you. We are all beautifully different. Yeah. And you're one of those. 
And other people don't look at me the way I look at me. So and never okay. have right. We, we were talking have. about that, right? I mean, <sighs> like you weird. know, you're you're surprised at the way people see you. Shocked? Not yes. That's sorry. Yes, I am. I yeah. am. I I'm not so shocked now, um, because I know that people view me differently than I view myself. Right. But I do get shocked talking to you, who knew me in high school, at the way people looked at me then. Yeah. Because I was. Such a mess, and you and this was had this no was just, just so uh, any anybody who's listening knows that was not apparent at all. Which is which is shocking. To no, me. you when I say like you were a star, you were literally a star on a stage, right in our high school. Yeah, and I think you were beloved, and and I don't think anybody thought you had any problems. Yeah, whatsoever. Mm-mm. Yeah, why do you think this hit you? As you know what I mean, like. Um, whenever I'm sitting across from a kid and I'm like, okay, so you've got the anorexia or bulimia, you've got the anxiety, you've got the depression. Why you, you know, why do you think you? Well, you know, it was, I, it's just a symptom of me. And, uh, I had, you know, we talked about, I've had a lot of things in my life. Um, you know, you pick an addiction, right? Really for me. And, and before I had, you know, before my eating disorder, came to life, let's say, let's just assume it's all kind of latent in there. You know, when you have an addictive personality, it's all kind of sitting there. So pick one, pick your poison as it were. So when I was um, in junior high, when I was in eighth grade, I was high the entire eighth grade year. So that was your poison. That was my poison at the time. Yeah. What is it? Why do I, did I feel the need to self-destruct? Let's go back farther. You know, I mean, I was, there was sexual abuse in my life. Yeah. So was that it? Mm-hmm. Maybe. Was well, that seems- the moment that I lost that sense of self when I gained that, you know, anger at the world, at myself, at circumstances, at whatever? I guess I don't really know. Right, right. You know, but you can take one, you can take three different people and put them in exactly the same situation. And they're going to react three different ways. Right. That's so why, true. why did I react the way I did to my life? Do you still wonder that? Like, do you wonder about yourself now? <sighs> Not so much because it is what it is. Yeah. You know, and I think that now at my age, this is who I've been in my life. These are the things that have happened and I have to own it. Right. You know, so what am I going to do with that? Right, right, right. And I think that, you know, I wonder, we talked about like, what is my purpose here? Yeah. I have zero idea. But when it comes to my life and the experiences that I've had, no, no, no. I think that sometimes when I think about like telling my story or whatever, I kind of don't want to because I, I wish that I was on completely the other side of the fence. Yeah. And had this, I have figured it all out and these are the answers and this is why and this is what. So if you're going through this, do ABC and you'll get to the other side of the fence too. Right. And that's not the case. Right. I'm still on this side of the fence trying to figure things out and live in my life and um, learning more about myself every day. But I still have all the same insecurities. I still have moments when I, you know, and... I haven't gotten high for a really long time and I don't drink specifically. Um, so food would be my drug of choice. And right. I have those moments when I white knuckle it in the evenings and sometimes I don't. So how, where do you think the resilience comes from now? You know, at 52, how do you know like to white knuckle it instead of just like giving it? Because I think a lot of people, this is their time when it's hard. You know what I mean? This is their time when they're struggling 
And I think you're telling me, mm, I found a lane I can work with. I don't know, you know where I'm headed. It's not perfect. I'm still in process, but I'm better than I was. So how do I want to wake up tomorrow is oh. the answer to your question. Yeah. That is one of the things that, that – and I do exactly say that to myself. It's like, how do I want to wake up tomorrow? Do I want to wake up tomorrow looking back on today, feeling like, fuck. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? Or do I want to look back on today and say, thank you, God. Okay. Got through that. Let's move on. I love that. So is that how you look at it? Do you look mm -hmm. at the – is that a day-to-day -day thing? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, sometimes. And, and sometimes given, I'm too busy, but other times. And, and there's there's some there's more to your story than this that would almost make one think, boy, how do you do that? You know what I mean? Like in in your life, how do you do that? Like think about tomorrow, and you know, and, and where does that positivity come from? Sometimes I don't. Hmm. Sometimes I don't. Yeah. I mean, you know, and I think that that's the part of my story that I am not, you know, proud of because again. I'm not on the other side of the fence. Right. You know, and I think that anybody who deals with addiction, you're never cured. It's not like, you know, the flu. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, you don't get over it. You it's a it's some it's sometimes a day-to-day moment-to-moment battle within right. yourself. But, you know, the people who say like if you're, you know, involved in AA or any of the recovery communities, you know, call your sponsor, call somebody. And I don't want to at that time. <laughs> right, right, you right, know, right. I don't yeah. want to call somebody and say because because there's that piece of me that, you know, doesn't want to give in to my addiction. And then there's a piece of me that just does. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, I, I, it's, it's like, you know, if, if I was an alcoholic – I would get, just get drunk and forget it all. Yep. I need the break. Yeah, yeah. You know, my life, well, and you know, maybe my life is, and it doesn't matter, not, not even my life, but anybody's life. Life is hard. Yes. Life is so, so hard on any given moment of any given day. And you know, you can't compare one person's life to another, but it's just hard. So do you kind of marvel at people in general? Do you, I mean, do you think on some level, and I kind of hold this belief a little bit, that on some level, we're all addicted to something. Yeah. Yeah. Because because life is hard. Because yeah. we're all carrying some undue anxiety or depression or combination or we were traumatized when we were young. Right. Everyone's been through something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I could get all philosophical, but I think that there's there's a piece to our society today, and I would say today in the past even 50 to 60 years, mm -hmm. where there's been a shift to almost cater to addiction. Okay. Yeah, what do you mean by that? I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's interesting. That's, that's heavy, man. <laughs> because nowhere in the history of mankind has there ever been really um, a belief in society of um, you don't have to work hard. You know, right. I, I, there's always been this, for the most part, a really strong work ethic in our lives. I mean, look at our parents, strong work ethic, mm -hmm. you know, to survive, to get through the day. And it was okay because everybody was doing it. Yep. You know, certainly you had your people who just couldn't hack it or they used coping mechanisms and that's where you, you know, all of the addictions come through. And I get that, of right. course, because life wasn't easy then either. Yep. But I think that now we are bombarded by all of these things. You deserve a break. Life is hard. Take it easy. You know, whatever it is. And I just don't think it has to be that way, you know. And if you want to go into the faith aspect of things, nowhere yeah. in the Bible does it say that, you know, do A, B, and C, and then you can take the day off. 
you know, oh, God rested. You know what? I'm sorry. That doesn't mean that you get to just, you know, kick back and, and you know, check out of life for a while. But I think that we feel like we deserve a reward for having worked so hard. Life is so hard for me. I deserve A, B, and C. So, you know, I just want to check out. Everyone does it. But Susan, I work really hard, man. I want I want some time off. I, I do, don't I deserve a break once sure in a while? You do. Or are we, you know, so so there is But we're so reward oriented. Look at our kids. Yeah, yeah. Trophy Participation for just trophies. Just be on the team. Just be on the team and feel good about it. Do you know you need a trophy? Right, 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 right. I mean, I digress, but No, but I do you feel like think... we're coddling? Do you feel like we're creating either whether we're a generation of kids who are coddled or our kids are. Do you think we're overdoing it? Do you mm-hmm. think like the work yeah, ethic is understated? Yeah, absolutely. I see to my own kids. You do? Which makes me sad because I don't think I taught them that. Right. You know, even though it's a part of me that, you know, I don't want to do things just as much as the next guy doesn't want to do things, but yeah. I do them anyway. Yeah. You know? Um, when you say it makes you sad, and this is a little bit of a diversion, you say it so matter-of-factly, um, it almost suggests like, it makes me sad. That's Okay. Well, it makes me sad because I'm their parent and mm-hmm. I should be able to fix that. And, and you know, whatever work ethic they may or may not have, they did or didn't get from me. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, so am I a failure in that? You know, or is the world just, it's so easy to check out. Right. In our world today. My kids are, they're, they're, I mean, just understandably addicted to electronics. Right. It's very difficult to pull them away from all of that. Yep. And um, and when I do, I'm telling you, it's amazing. They what's amazing? Their personalities practically change. You know, they're 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 um, communicative, and they seem happy, and and not that they're unhappy otherwise. But it's so easy to get caught up in that, and I, I get it. But it is I, their culture; they grew up with it. But it is incredible. Right. Like if you can get mm-hmm. them to turn the thing down. But you we know, live in we live in an avoidance culture. Mm-hmm. We do. Yeah. And yet we have this illusion that we're connecting. We're really not. But. You know, we live in this avoidance culture, and I think that addiction just um, gets compounded with that. Yeah. You know, so and, – and why are some addictions more acceptable than other addictions? What do you mean? Well, why is it that my bulimia needs to be a secret? Right. Because that's not okay. Uh-huh. But I could spend hours and hours and hours playing Angry Birds. Right. Or Tumblr is the thing. My kids, I don't get that at all. No, but I get your point. Yeah. Right. So yeah. staring at the screen, well, this is normal. Everyone right. does this. Right. So Right. Yeah. And in anything that you do, too, um, it becomes acceptable within that within that bubble, within that circle. Yeah, that little culture. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But couldn't I say, like, yeah, but your your anorexia and bulimia could eventually have killed you, whereas yes. the angry birds wouldn't. Or is it or is that not true? Um well, okay, that's a whole different thing. But yes. That's true. Um, physically, I think that you can look at any addiction that, you know, you avoid life and you won't be able to um, really function in the world. And yeah. so ultimately, it could kill you and yeah. extreme if you really wanted to go to the extreme. Um, but either way, you're, yeah. not, you're not fully participating in your life. Right, right, right. So I think killing you could be a very subjective. That's a fair point. Right. Right. You know? death, is, death is not always this absolute, is it? <laughs> no, no, right. it's you not. You can be, draw breath and still live a very dead life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that that's um, – <laughs> so, you know, when I say that I want to wake up the next morning feeling proud of the day before, mm-hmm. um, I really do desire – and I think 
oh, I don't know. I can't speak for everybody. I really do desire to live my life fully. I really do. But am I living my life fully? I, I don't know. That's that's a whole. I don't even know. How do you I don't have an that? answer to that. Yeah. I don't have an answer to that. Yeah. You know, but that's my desire. Yeah. So in any given moment, the decisions I make in any given moment are they working toward that or are they working against it? Right. Is that how you kind of gauge like how you're doing? Yeah. 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 And I don't game. know what I want ultimately. Like there are so many things in the world and, and, and so many ways to measure success and all of that. But, um, you know, what's successful for me? Right. So sometimes, you know, what's successful for me and any person who has any kind of addiction or any kind of anything, what's successful for me is that I got through this day or this hour right, without checking out, not checking out like Dying. dying. You mean present, being but, here. Right. Without yeah. escaping from that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm thinking of, of a girl I work with now in particular. She's um, in her late teens. She's beautiful. She's talented. I think she's well-liked. She's really, really emotionally astute. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome kid. Uh, hates herself and yeah. um, absolutely um, carries... Um, some addictions, yeah. including so, some eating issues. What um, c- can we honestly say? It's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Or you feel like I don't know. I don't, I know. don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It can be all right, but I think that you know, if I'm speaking, I'm just going to assume that this girl is me thirty yeah. years ago. Yeah, you know. If I'm going to say to myself 30 years ago, is it going to be all right? I don't know, but it can be. Right. So what do I want? Right. What do you want? Do you want it to be all right? And I think her answer would probably be, I don't know. Right, right. I think so. But I think that there's a piece of her that does. And, that's right. And, and, and wants someone else to assure her that it will be. And so I think the assurance that it can be, if you do – this, you yeah. know, whatever yeah. it may be for yeah. her. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, sometimes we can't do it ourselves. Right. And, and we need help. And we need help. Yeah. Okay. So I think it comes down to it's a choice. Where she is, she it, she's not going to know this necessarily. And that's what makes it so hard. She's young. Right. She can't see the big picture of life. Doesn't know how long she's going to be here, how long she's going to have to do this, which makes it scary. Yeah. You know, um, and and things are so painful right now for her, I would assume, that, um, you know, you think, oh, my God, I don't want to do this for 5, 10, 50 more years. Right. And I feel that way sometimes now, you know, but, (laughs) um, but it still is a choice. And I think that at some point, everyone needs to take a step back and decide really deep down do I want to see? Right. Do I want to stick around long enough to see if it gets better? Yeah. And you know it can get better. Right. So am I going to stick around and be open to that possibility? And then eventually you get to the point where not you're not just open to the possibility, but you want to participate in that process. I love that. I mean, in a, in a way, that that's kind of a pitch I like to use with young people is like, you know, um, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, but I think it's more interesting than not having one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Completely. Yeah. Um, Completely. It, it, it's kind of a, a wretched segue into Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I thought that too. I go, huh, that was awesome. <laughs> um, after, after all that, you got married, mm-hmm. had children, mm-hmm. right? Um, 
and living the good suburban life, right? Living nice that good suburban Christian life, Christian community, everyone looking good, yeah, yeah. So, so it's uh, I would imagine on paper mm-hmm. everything looked like it was rolling right along, mm-hmm. and then tragedy strikes. What happened? My husband killed himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think when you say everything looked good on paper, what I've learned, and that was almost seven years ago. Okay. So, um, what I've learned since then is him, especially had this intense need for things to look good on paper. Ah, uh-huh. is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, talking about not feeling like you measured up. Right. That was absolutely him. Absolutely him. And worked so hard to have that image. Um, and when he couldn't maintain it mm. anymore, his life fell apart. Got it. And he fell apart. And then subsequently, our lives fell apart. Yeah. You know, yeah, because obviously I, we, the kids, and I were a part of that. Right, right. So yeah. Do you um, do you get angry at him? Oh yeah. Yeah. All the time. Uh-huh. All the time. Anytime anything goes wrong, I'm like, damn it, Andy. <laughs> you yeah. should be here helping me out with Not this. Not even you should be here, but you, you're, it's your fault. Oh, that all right. This is the way it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not even so much that he should be here because I've had dreams, and that's a whole process, an interesting dream grief process that uh-huh. I had. But um, I had a dream specifically where he came back and I was like, no, I have it all figured out and you're going to mess it up. Wow. Yeah. And then I felt bad. I was like, because that's how he felt his whole life. Right. When I looked back and was able to figure things out, look back on his life and what he experienced, then I could have some answers to why he was the way he was. Right. You know, and that I didn't even know, like until he died, which is sad because he couldn't tell me. Talk about secrets. Yeah, no kidding. He could not truly ever admit that all of these things were falling apart around him. And so um, how do you keep things together <laughs> and over the last seven years raise four kids? I have no idea. Grieving the loss. I think that's based on what we were talking about earlier. Zero that's true, idea. right? I don't know. Yeah. And yet you do, right? I mean, here you are and you're intact and you – um, for those of you who don't know, so she, you work out, what, every day? Yeah, You're... pretty much. Except today was a rest day and I had to take it because I was running out of time. Yeah, okay. All right. But it's also good. It's good. It's and good it's not do. like you're, you're, these four kids are, are linear and the same and Ooh. everyone's got their challenges, right? Yeah. This is complex, your yeah. life. Yeah. And what gets really hard when you're in the grieving process is to realize that you then, I'm grieving. Right. And yet I need to be there for four individuals who are grieving all completely differently. And how do I do that? That's been the overwhelming part of it. Like the, the the factual or the tangible parts of it of, you know, like, do we have enough food on the table? Do we have a roof over our heads? All of those things are kind of on the side where And you can manage that pragmatic stuff. You said you're good in a crisis and you figure <laughs> crisis, things out. <laughs> yeah, know, right? right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm so grateful. I mean, uh-huh. truly, it could have been so completely different. Yeah. So what we have right now is I have this house I can't sell, but I have two houses. Can I be grateful for that? Mm, I suppose so. Yes. Yeah. I right, can. Right. I can. I thought that the other day. I'm like, let's turn this around. And, you know, instead of me waking up in the middle of the night sick to my stomach because all of these things are going wrong, let's shift it. And yeah. and I think that that's like, again, a momentary, a, a moment by moment thing. Right. Let's just shift it, shift it, shift it. Constant, I'm constantly shifting things back to the sun, you know, back to the light, back to right, the, right, right. the positive aspect of it. That's got to be yeah. tough to do. I mean, I, I'm thinking about like, um, th- there are families I know, and, and certainly families you know, where a parent dies. I'm working with a family right now um, uh, and, and the dad died, but he was sick. 
And you know, he died from cancer. And so there's Andy something. Was sick. Huh? Andy was sick. So tell me, right, right, right. <laughs> Andy was sick. I'm calling sick. you on that. Yeah, call me on that. You know what? Yeah, he was sick. And I think that that's the mental illness aspect of things. That's something else that I've, you know, um, has existed in my life. Yeah. Of course. But uh, now recognizing it in and of himself. You know, I was raised where suicide is a sin. Yeah. Okay. And, and I remember those days. Unfortunately, yes. I would tell my kids that. So then their dad does this. Mm. Okay. This is their dad. Is he going to hell? Right. You no, know, this was a question that was asked. And our pastor, bless his heart, came in and answered exactly properly, you know, and, and, and solved all of that. But I have to look at it. And I'm like, now what do I believe? Right. You know? Right. So, but yeah. And, and somebody said this to me, and they're absolutely right. And I know in my heart of hearts this is true. This is not, it wasn't him. That was no longer the man I married. That was no longer the person that I knew. Yeah. So he, yeah. Yeah. He was not in his right mind. Yep. Was not and, for and, years before he died. Right. And I watched the process. Mm-hmm. And 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 it was horrible. Yeah. And and we were in major crisis in our family in our life before he ever died. So Yeah. yeah. So your your point is a really good one. Of course he was sick. He was sick. Yeah. And it, but it was different, of course, mm-hmm. you know. I got involved in a widows group at one point and re- recently that I really couldn't connect with. And part of it was because the women had been married to their husbands for decades and they mm-hmm. died of cancer and it was different. Yeah. It's different. Right. So no judgment one way or another. It's, it's just different. Just different. Yeah. And, um, and so there's an aspect of that, you know, I can't relate to. And, right. you know, they would say their big thing was, is that they feel, you know, doing things on their own. I'm like, I did stuff on my own all the time. I on, always did stuff without Andy because he was so sick. Right. Right. You no, know, and we. So I just did. I. I was a single parent before I was a single parent. Wow. Right. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. So when he died, I hit the ground running, and I tried to put all the pieces into place, and then I fell apart. Right. But yeah. when I could. And um and in the name of time, um and I wish I had another hour to spend with you, but how are you now? Like, what do you what do you picture going forward? That is a big question. I know. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to ask you easy questions, man. You know what? I, I don't, I guess, you know, it's kind of the same. If I were to plan my life, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't yeah. put it on paper necessarily. But what I would like is obviously for my children, I would like to be able to continue to be there for my kids. Right. Of course. Um, I'm grateful that we have an open communicative relationship. So grateful for that. Yeah. Um, and um, I would like to see them find their own lives. Right. I mean, honestly. So you say, what is it for me? You know, once they're all said and gone, then, you know, maybe I'll, you know, date again or get married. Who knows? Whatever that is for right. me. But I don't know. And that's okay. Because I don't, I'm not afraid of, you know, getting to the end of the road or not the end of the road in my life, but I'm, I'm not afraid to getting to, okay, let's say the fork in the road. Right. Better analogy. Um, better image. I'm not afraid of getting there and having at that moment to make a decision. I get it. Yeah. You don't seem afraid at all. Yeah, I don't think I am. That's an interesting thing. Yeah. I'm really not. Yeah. Because uh, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, if I were to die today, I would be I would I would feel bad because I have the kids, but for me it wouldn't matter. Right. I'm fine. Right. And if I stay alive for 50 more years, then okay. I'll figure it out. Yeah. And so do you feel like your mission at least for now is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of shepherd these kids through these years. Yes. 
I yeah. shepherd. That just sounds like a question. Only because, <laughs> only because shepherding to me makes it sound like I got any answers. No, we'll just, right, right. We'll go together. We'll just figure Walk it out that together. Walk path together. And if and if and if any of my life experience can be beneficial to them, then awesome. Let's just do it. Okay. So so um, this last part isn't a question. Uh, I'm insisting that you come back here and we finish <laughs> this talk because this feels incomplete. Finish this talk. This talk <laughs> won't be finished. Thank you for being here, though. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you as well. Seriously. Yeah. 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 Seriously. You can find this podcast online at iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, LiveLeadPlay.com, which is affiliated with IPEC Coaching School, and WGN+. On my website, there's a free parenting program. Uh, drjohnduffy.com. If you are a parent, I strongly encourage you to check that out. Uh, some really good ideas there. Uh, if you have thoughts or ideas uh, for this podcast or if you are someone you know would like to be a guest on this podcast, uh, please email me at johngduffy at drjohnduffy.com. Thank you so much for listening. and I will talk to you next time on the Undo Anxiety Podcast.